Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get you done. And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously. Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Santa Clara. This is episode number 30, and because of that, we are going to do something a little bit different today. Instead of interviewing a guest, I am going to answer some of the top questions that I get asked about this show and share some of the lessons that I've learned along the way. You know, I really enjoy the challenge of guiding a conversation while only talking 5% of the time, and I'm not someone who naturally just likes to get up and lecture. I enjoy the process of asking questions and thinking about what questions to ask. We're going to jump around a lot, but I'm going to cover a lot of ground, a lot of questions, some major themes, favorite moments, and more. first question I get asked is, why did I start the podcast? Almost every guest I interview asks me this question, and over time I've settled on an answer. The way I describe it is that there were two converging pull factors that led me to start this show. The first one was my love of podcasts. Ever since high school, when I would have a 15-minute bike ride to school in the mornings, I have listened to many different podcasts, um, whether I'm walking to class, doing laundry, going for a run in the morning, even sometimes at the gym. If the weight isn't too heavy, I'll be listening to podcasts. Some of my favorites, in case you're wondering, include Freakonomics, this one I've loved ever since high school, uh, Radiolab, The Tim Ferriss Show, which is probably my number one favorite just because I listen to such a high volume of podcasts that I really enjoy the long-form interviews, and I enjoy learning from Tim and the way he can get stories and failures and lessons learned out of his guests. Uh, Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell, The TED Radio Hour, and then some newer ones, uh, Podship Earth, which is an environmental podcast that incorporates uh, politics and some other areas related to how we can make a positive impact on our planet and how to save it from the destruction that is coming. Uh, How I Built This, where Guy Raz interviews founders of companies. Big Questions with Cal Fussman. Cal is a super entertaining guy to listen to. He has a great enthusiasm and really insightful questions. Uh, Invisibilia, Masters of Scale, the Tony Robbins podcast, Work Life with Adam Grant, and the Gary V Audio Experience if you need some entrepreneurial motivation to work those 18-hour days. So anyway, those are a few of my favorite podcasts, and ever since high school for the past five years, I've loved listening to those. Then when I got to college, I noticed something, and I realized that Santa Clara was split into silos. I realized that in the business school, I would be taking almost exclusively business classes from business professors. Um, Obviously, the first couple years, I had to take a few English and writing, math, and science classes, but my options were fairly limited, and there was no amount of majors or minors that would allow me to meet the breadth of interesting people that I would want to meet. The same kind of applied to students. I can obviously join 
a club or make a new friend through a class, but it's difficult to connect to the most interesting students when there's 5,000 of them and they're all in different areas of the university. You know, the engineering kids tend to hang out with the other engineering kids and the same kind of applies for different friend groups. I wondered if there would be a way to connect people across different disciplines, whether those are professors or students. And I thought that one interesting way to combine my love of podcasts with this desire to better connect the university would be to start a podcast. You know, maybe a student could listen to a podcast or read a transcript in the newspaper and discover a new professor that they wanted to reach out to. They could discover a new class that they wanted to take. They could hear a story from someone who was once a college student and once had no idea what they wanted to do with their career and how that person navigated their college experience, how they navigated their career decisions, and how they ended up where they are today. So in October 2017, I decided to start this podcast, and I started by reaching out to a physics professor that I had taken named Phil Keston. Now, you might have remembered me saying I was a business student, and you might be wondering why I had to take physics. Um, Some people commonly ask, oh, was that like your natural science requirement or something like that? But it actually wasn't. I actually already had my natural science requirement fulfilled by a physics class I took in high school. And this physics wasn't the first one in the series, and the series it was in was an engineering series. So I really don't know why I took this class. I think for a period of a couple months, I thought physics was incredible and I was going to be a physics minor. And then I took this class and realized that, you know, it was a good time. But I think I'll stick to what I know best and avoid many hours of studying late in the library to understand things that I may never need or want to apply in my life. After taking that class, I have a much greater respect for physics, but I think I will continue to practice that respect at a comfortable distance from future advanced physics courses. But anyway, the professor, whose name was Phil Keston, had told all these incredible stories in class about how he had started a company and been an editor at a magazine and worked with a Nobel-winning physicist and all these amazing things, and I thought he would be a great guy to start with. So I reached out to him over email, and we were off to the races. I went to the library and borrowed a microphone, and plugged it into my computer and started recording. I continued to interview professors over the next couple weeks just by sending out raw emails. And one thing I've been surprised at throughout my time running this podcast has been the willingness of people to participate. Obviously, in the beginning, it's not like the show had any track record or anything, but probably around 75% of the emails that I send get responses. And a great majority of those are yeses. Obviously, some professors are say they're too busy or they'll do it in a couple months, and that's happened a few times with guests. But overall, I've had a very high success rate in convincing people to join the show, and that's been just, I think, a testament to the powerful community that Santa Clara has and just the willingness that people are to connect and spend some time with me as professors in college. You know, like these are people that spend their whole working lives with students, and I'm just thankful that so many of them have taken the time to talk with me. And as the show progressed in the spring, I was pleasantly surprised when some of my guests, both students and professors, mentioned that they really liked the podcast or they enjoyed reading the transcripts in the newspaper, and that was just a lot of fun to hear from guests that they had already seen the podcast. 
I have to give some credit where credit is due. You might be wondering, how did you get to interview Father Ang or Karen Beck Dudley, the Dean of the Business School, or Renee Bumgarner, the Athletic Director, or Jeannie Rosenberger, the Director of Student Life? And those, for those four interviews, I was helped by a woman named Deepa Aurora, who's the lead of the University Marketing and Communications Department, and she reached out to me in December, said she really liked the podcast, and helped me set up interviews with some of these bigger-name people. She's also helped to promote the podcast on the scu.edu website, as well as the Facebook page, and I've really appreciated her support. So what have I learned? One of the biggest themes that I want to touch on in this podcast is the theme of connecting across disciplines. I believe, as well as many of the people who I've interviewed all believe, that the biggest problems in our society will only be solved through collaboration across disciplines. So I've been really proud and happy with the diversity of the guests in the podcast so far. I haven't even had to try particularly hard, and we've had equal numbers of men and women on the podcast. We've had about 40% people of color, and the professors have represented finance, child studies, history, computer science, psychology, management, English, communications, theater, art, religion, and physics. In fact, I don't think any professors have even overlapped their disciplines, and in the upcoming months we'll be able to add economics, civil engineering, and entrepreneurship to that list. But many different people have touched on the idea that It's when we link art and engineering, or biology and theater, or psychology and entrepreneurship, that these combinations are where good ideas happen, that in college we split up everything by major, we split up the classes students take, we split up the buildings physically, you know, we stick the psychology people over there, and the science people over here, and the business schools, and Lucas Hall, but really the coolest opportunities, I believe, on campus are some of the really connected centers. So like the Markola Center for Applied Ethics, where the most recent guest, Brian Green, works, or the Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship, where I work. And in the next couple episodes, we'll get out a interview with the director of that, as well as another professor who works with the Miller Center. But that's one of the things I think that Santa Clara does best as a smaller school is connect across the disciplines, Um, but obviously there's still a lot of work to do, and that's part of the point of the core curriculum, right? Students have to take classes in a variety of areas, but it's still difficult for, say, uh, arts and science students to get their hands just a little bit dirty in engineering or for a business student to have time to take a biology class. I just read a book called Where Good Ideas Come From, and it's by Stephen Johnson. The subtitle is The Natural History of Innovation. In this book, he kind of busts the myth that good ideas come from geniuses sitting in their cubicles uh, thinking vigorously for an extended period of time, but that rather good ideas come from connections, and good ideas aren't really new ideas. They're just combinations of previous ideas. So for example, YouTube couldn't have existed 10 years earlier because it had to build off of the platforms and internet protocols and programming languages that were already in existence. So these platforms are really important for innovating. The book also talks about serendipity and the power of combining ideas from different areas and being open to unexpected possibilities. And really that 
being disorganized is actually more effective for creativity than being organized. Serendipity is one of the coolest parts of college. You can pop into the library and find students studying a myriad of subjects, or you can go into the dining hall and hopefully your friends all have had different experiences or are in different organizations and can all share what they've learned that day, which hopefully is a lot different from what you've learned that day. So many students at Santa Clara, as multiple guests have mentioned on the show, are incredibly busy and join a lot of different things, but that's one of the cool parts about college is being able to join student government when you're an engineering student or be able to join an environmental volunteering program when you're a business student. The final idea that this book explores is the adjacent possible and that how good ideas, creative ideas, new innovations come just beyond the boundaries of what's currently possible. So on this show, I've tried to ask a lot of guests about ideas that are currently on the adjacent possible, whether that's artificial intelligence, which has come up a lot, or the future of higher education, whether it's how the internet will transform news. These are all fields that are really cutting edge and have a lot of opportunity. And by combining existing things in a new way, we can create these new ideas. And that's kind of the point of a college campus, I think. And we, we can all get a part of that by reading widely and connecting with people who are different than we are. I've also noticed that the university's Jesuit roots really do come through in subtle ways, whether that's students taking abroad travel experiences like the Global Social Benefit Fellowship through the Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship or the Levy School of Business Global Fellows Program. A lot of students are taking these opportunities to serve and to be students of conscious and compassion and all those other good uh, buzzwords that Santa Clara likes to throw around a lot, but the professors also walk the talk too and are really engaged in topics of social justice and improving the world. And that's cool to see whether that's a child studies, finance, or science professor. It's cool that in all these different disciplines, there are steps that can be taken, not only just to study and teach, but to really give back and to prepare students to do the same. A lot of people often ask me, what is my favorite episode? And deep in my bones, I know the answer, but it's a little hard for me to say because I'm not sure that this is the episode I would recommend most highly because of a little uh, audio snafu. So this was in January of this year, and I had recently gotten a new microphone, a beautiful black Yeti microphone, which has this cool dual interview mode that I always use. But anyway, I plugged this thing in, I tested it, everything was working great, pressed record, it was recording, sat down with this guy, Thomas Plant, in the far corner of the Alumni Science Building on the second floor, uh, on the very edge of campus. And then I, I did this interview, and this interview was amazing. I realized that this professor, Dr. Thomas Plant, had been involved in the research that had exposed the sexual abuse scandal in the Catholic Church, which eventually led to the movie Spotlight. And he was telling the story of how he had been a psychologist and had uh, a few priests referred to him and started investigating, and just no one cared at all. Santa Clara had a conference on this topic in 1998 and no one showed up and they had to fill the room with students because no one from the industry 
no one from media cared about this topic. And then in 2002, uh, with the scandal in Boston, suddenly everyone in the world was caring about this story. And in the course of six months, this guy interviewed with almost every major news media outlet in the country. And in addition to just this specific story, he had written over 20 books and hundreds and hundreds of published journal articles. And I was just so curious about how he could publish that much, write that much. And he wrote about ethics and exercise and psychology and such a broad range of topics. And I really loved that interview. So anyway, I finished that interview. I walked down the stairs and I checked my computer and I noticed that it didn't record, that it had just stopped. I don't know what was going on with the Adobe Audition program, but about four minutes in, it had just completely stopped recording. Now, fortunately, I do record a backup on my phone. I record just a voice memo, and I've done this from the beginning, and it's definitely come in handy multiple times because you never know when audio equipment will just fail. But I still don't know what was wrong with that program, and actually, in future interviews, I've used a different program on the computer just to avoid any risk of it randomly stopping in the middle. But I ended up coming out with that episode, really enjoyed it, and that was probably one of the most uh, enjoyable episodes that I've done, although I'm not sure I most highly recommend it because of that uh, audio quality. A couple other episodes that are my personal favorites would be the conversation with business school dean Karen Beck-Dudley, as well as athletic director Renee Bumgarner. Both of those guests gave really kind of short and succinct answers, so I was forced to be on my game and ask a lot of questions. In terms of just pure storytelling, the most surprising thing I've heard would have to be art history professor Kathleen Maxwell's story of when she was in a plane accident on the Boston uh, tarmac and ended up partially in the harbor and the front of the plane actually snapped off. That story was amazing. Episode three, you should go back and check it out. I'll probably include it in a future uh, com combo episode that I'll do with some of the best stories, but that was just a shocking story. And, you know, that interview was also fun because I literally just sat there the whole time and she told all her stories and just kind of kept going. And I'm pretty sure I said about five words that whole interview. Um, it was pretty easy, but I loved it and got some excellent stories. So those are the really fun interviews when the person just spouts off the most interesting things you've ever heard. That's really the dream. A couple other themes and patterns I've noticed um, in terms of professors, almost all of them didn't grow up wealthy, but did have parents who strongly emphasized the value of education. Chad Raphael mentioned his family all crowding around a copy of the New York Times every morning. Bill Maines and Bob Finocchio were both part of really large families that emphasized education. So these themes of just valuing education played a lot into these professors' lives, and I guess they ended up staying in academia, so something stuck. Another reassuring theme that has consistently emerged is the answers to my question, what were your career plans in college? It's kind of my go-to that I ask almost every guest who's uh, older, obviously not a student. Um, although if they're a student, I probably ask what their career plans are now. Um, but I usually get one of two answers, and that is one... I had no idea, or two, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and I was completely wrong. So that's just really reassuring for me, 
not knowing exactly what I want to do, just knowing that all these people who were super successful had no idea either. So Bob Finocchio decided to apply to Harvard Business School just to see if he could get in, and he ended up through a combination of very hard work and a little bit of luck running several successful Silicon Valley tech companies, and he has now served on dozens of boards Physics professor and vice provost Phil Keston, who was the very first guest of the show, he worked in the oil fields of Texas, and he just found that after work he would always be studying physics, and so he returned to graduate school and then worked with one of the founders of Gravity Waves, who recently won the Nobel Prize. And then the second kind of category of, I knew what I wanted to do, and it isn't at all related to what I'm doing now, we had multiple people go to law school, history professor Naomi Andrews and business school dean Karen Beck Dudley, um, and they decided it wasn't right for them. I don't know what it is about law that makes people want to do that. But anyway, they pursued different careers and ended up being really happy with it. And a lot of the professors have shared those themes as well. One of the biggest challenges for me has been figuring out how to ask the best question. In the first couple episodes, one question that I would ask a lot is, who are some people that made a really big impact on your life? And that's kind of a hit or miss question. Some people would share excellent answers of incredible stories from mentors, but hearing that there were 10 people, including Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally, isn't exactly the type of material that I'm looking for. Another difficult thing has been figuring out how to start podcasts, so often if the person has a unique hobby or interest that I can learn about through online research, I'll try to start there. But as you know, if you've listened to a lot of episodes, I often start with childhood stories, or I'll skip to college if there's a lot of stuff I want to get into about their careers. But the challenge of how to get guests to share their most interesting stories is really a difficult one, because... If someone has worked in a career for 20 years and had five different jobs, and I can find that by going on LinkedIn, I still don't really know what they learned at each of those stages or where the most interesting stories will come. So asking really open-ended questions around, uh, is there one moment from your time doing blank where um, a story, an experience really impacted you? Um, Or forcing someone to condense 10 years of experience down into just one or two short stories really makes people choose the most interesting things that have happened to them. And that ends up being some of the best stories. Also moments of big change, right? So exiting a career, starting a new one, or I've interviewed a couple Jesuits, priests, and for each one, I asked some version of, was there any moment where you knew you wanted to be a Jesuit? And even if they didn't have one precise moment, the answer still revealed their motivations for choosing that path. In terms of researching guests, I just enter their names into Google and click on the top five things that come up. Hopefully no one has a similar name as them. What makes it easy is if the person has a blog, if they have a personal website like some professors do, or if they've worked on a lot of different types of projects, then it's pretty easy to come up with questions. Interviewing students has been a little bit of a different challenge, although... Honestly, a couple of my interviews with professors I haven't felt great about afterwards, but all of my interviews with students I felt really good about afterwards. So students have always been really open to sharing their stories, and I think I've picked some pretty incredible students who a lot of them have been featured on the Facebook page recently, and almost all of them were graduating seniors. We still have a couple more of those that I'm going to come out with, but... I'm always amazed by the drive and the passion of students to go to other countries 
and just bring it all back, connecting to their major, connecting to their clubs and extracurriculars. And it's just been a lot of fun talking to students. And that's one thing I'll definitely try to do moving forward. If you're a student, you know that the Voices of Santa Clara interview transcripts often go into the newspaper, the student newspaper called The Santa Clara at Santa Clara. And there's a website to thesantaclara.org. But I reached out to the newspaper in the fall because I thought it would be a great way to reach a broader audience of students. And although they weren't able to hire me because they had already hired everyone, I was able to contribute articles for almost every edition of the year. And actually this upcoming school year, I'm going to be working with the newspaper. So continuing to write, continuing to interview, and continuing to include Voices of Santa Clara transcripts in the newspaper. In terms of the future, in the next couple weeks, I'm going to alternate between new interviews and some recap episodes, because unless you are my mom and you've listened to all 30 episodes, you've probably missed some of the best stories and moments from this podcast, and I don't want that to happen. So I might do a combination, um, some focused topical episodes, for example, people's advice to college students, uh, guests' fun travel stories or strategies for staying happy and being productive. I might also do some mashups of the shorter questions I ask at the end about favorite travel locations, just in case you have a bunch of money to burn on a plane ticket and want to take a summer vacation this summer, or um, all the answers about what people would say if they could send a message to every person in the United States. Uh, That question if, if the person answers that question right after I ask it, it's probably because I deleted like 10 seconds of audio in between me asking it and them uh, answering because that question of all the questions I ask always is the one that really stops people and makes people think. And even a few people, we haven't included, haven't included it because they couldn't come up with a great answer. And I don't really know what I'd say, but maybe I'll think of something when I come out with that episode. But That question has been a lot of fun, and it's been cool to see the parallels between answers, just themes of kindness and listening to other stories that just come up again and again and again. And it's like, it's like all my guests were talking to each other or something, but I think, I think they're not. I think it's just a universal message that the world needs to hear and everyone kind of recognizes the need to suspend judgment, listen to the stories of others, and listen before you speak. You know, one thing that's a challenge interviewing people and that I've had to grow a lot in is how to be present with someone's story and balance asking follow-up questions and really just being in the moment with having a prepared list of questions and, and not just be stuck if someone randomly stops talking in the middle of an answer. It's tough to balance those long pauses with really being in the moment and shaping a conversation, thinking about, okay, I want this to end around 30 minutes. So what do I have to do now? Because I know I want to talk about this later. And that's just a lot of stuff to be going around in your mind and also focus on the story someone is telling. And I think we do that in conversations too. It's so easy to think about your response to someone before just fully listening. And luckily in conversation, there's no penalty for long pauses, even if it's slightly awkward. I think the benefit of really listening, really being present is well worth the long pause. Those have been some of the fun questions and moments from 
my 30 episodes so far. I hope you've enjoyed them. I thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your summer. We're going to continue publishing episodes. I got about 10 more in the queue for the next five or six months or so, even though I won't be around in the fall, we'll still be coming out with some, um, just a little teaser in the fall. We'll have a career counseling episode with some of the uh, wonderful people at the career center. We have a few more students, a few more professors, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. I hope you haven't minded just listening to me talk for such a long time, but have a great evening, morning, day, drive, bike ride, walk with the dog, whatever you're doing when you listen. Thanks for tuning in as always, and adios. Adios.